Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Lewis wanted to say this through screw tape as if one day it's going to happen <clears throat> in the future. I think Lewis knew it was there in the 40s. It's definitely happening today. I think many people are at once spiritual and not spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, many do, in fact, believe in a spiritual world and spiritual beings, but they no longer come to conclusions about the existence of gods. Mm. And I say that plural. Sure. And I speculate about that. I've had plenty of conversations with others who are not religious, but who hold strongly to beliefs in a spiritual world with spiritual entities. And some even believe, I've had this explained to me, and uh, this is not making fun, that they believe in an afterlife where their bodies are dispersed throughout the earth as a positive life force that motivates and animates the spiritual and physical world in Mm. a mystical way. Mm. That's been explained to me more than once in the last few years. And I'm not belittling those views because I'm highly aware also that the Christian view doesn't sound any less crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to remember that what I believe sounds just as loco as everything else. But I'm highlighting the conundrum here. I I have this deep speculation about all this, and I think it has to do with the notion of God. When you throw the notion of God into the picture... I think the issue in other people's minds is that there is an imagined loss of autonomy. Mm. And uh, this is just personal speculation, of course, personal opinion. Like, in N.T. Wright's uh, New Testament and the People of God, he really highlighted for the first time for me that ancient Jewish religious thought was called creational monotheism. Mm. It's two big words, but... Basically, there is a creator who is sovereign, you know, in charge and control over everything. Mm -hmm. And there is only one. Yeah. And one God and creator overall. Now, at least for me, most issues I've faced in my life seem to boil down to a challenge against creational monotheism. Yeah. I feel like everything comes down to that. And so, I mean, take therapy, for example. So, I'm always thinking about what is God honoring in therapy Hmm. or coaching? What is going to honor God here? Um, But why? Well, it's because I believe that I should obey God before other values are imposed on me. And this is just like really grassroots Christian belief, I think, that I'm saying here. No, for sure. Um, if, If those values align with Christian morals found in the scriptures, then that's fine. That's a really blanket summary of my morals. But I do that because I believe God is in charge. He created everyone and everything, and I want to obey him. Hmm. And beyond the Jewish perspective, I believe in Jesus, you know, who died for me, forgave my sins, which is a huge opening into the love and care of God, which leads me to want to serve and obey even more. And, I mean, by the way, I I also am very aware of how ugly the word obey is. Is and I just can't think of a better one right now. 
But um, yeah, it's I'm unfortunate. Just, but, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to give that thirty thousand foot overview of this perspective. But and I don't view God as a slave driver forcing no. me to obey Him either. For example, but overall, I found that the Jewish perspective to be a helpful foundation when placed in challenging situations. It usually seems to come down to who's in charge. And the minute you put gods into the equation, um, I may have to come into some deeper realizations about the meaning of my life and who's in charge. You know? Yeah. So when I think about it that way, perhaps that's why people nowadays, uh, they believe that they can be spiritual and not have to think about God. Hmm. Um, because if spiritual entities are just out there being crazy and sometimes intruding into our physical world, it's kind of like, it's all fascinating and whatever. And maybe one day when I die, my life will be dispersed among them or whatever. But when you think about it, just, you just take it on a deeper level and think, well, they're there. How did they get there? What mm -hmm. is their purpose? And then you cross over to your own life and say, well, I'm here. How did I get here? What's the meaning of my life and my sure. purpose? If you if you just take a few moments to give it some deeper thought, I would like to think that you must come to terms with uh, my life is not my own or I don't know. I'm kind of freaked out to think about it yeah. anymore, you know? And so I come down to this term of autonomy that this, I believe, is what gives people the ability to be spiritual and yet not spiritual at all. I can believe in these spiritual entities but the thought of something that can even like oversee them yeah. is something I don't want to participate in because um, that could mean that um, there's something that has a claim over my own life. Yeah, And uh, I could just talk about this forever because there are tons of like words of cautions and details and caveats and nuances. I mean, like, a lot of people I think who don't want anything to do with God it's not necessarily that. It's that they don't want anything to do with God because they see how certain Christians have behaved. And that goes back to what Lewis has pointed out throughout the entire letter, too, that, um, well, those folks, my heart breaks because um, they're upset with Christian people and not necessarily with God. Mm. And I think God still loves them and, and yeah. wants them. And... Um, he knows that their lives would be incredible with him right in communion with him but they sound like they're angry at god when really they're just like i don't want to take part in all this yeah crazy stuff that christians have been doing and i think that's true yeah yeah i mean i've i've seen that in people where you hear them talk about the bible or about god or about christianity uh, as a belief system um and you, you just sit and listen and you go, man, I think we might have talked about this before, but that's that's just not the way it is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not God. Or that's not what we believe. Mm -hmm. Or, um, And for those that have been wounded in that way, I think we've said this before too, but we're sorry for that. Um, yeah. But I would challenge anybody that's listening to this that is dealing with these questions and not a believer to realize that you're basing a view of potentially if, if God is real another being because we're beings off of hearsay and pain mm. which we know with experience with one another that that's never fruitful 
-hmm. and relationship with each other and it's damaging Mm -hmm. and so it's beneficial to think I think like just be challenged that what you see or what you think of as God may not be God um, may not be real Christianity yep and realize that just like in the political world where there's corrupt politicians that do terrible things on whatever side Mm -hmm. of the campaigns you know Mm -hmm. or corporate world or any anything that's a larger organization or small there's corruption and there are um, people doing bad things because that's what people do yeah but that doesn't mean that everything about that idea or that organization or that truth or that reality is wrong yeah. or horrible. It just it's a it's a reality of life that humans do terrible things. Yep. Even in organizations that are trying to follow what we believe is righteous or good. Mm-hmm. So to follow the the good and virtuous <laughs> path of God is uh, is narrow. Yeah. And so <clears throat> all of us make mistakes and there are groups of people that are smaller than the names that get all of the public shame and humiliation mm-hmm. and uh, there are plenty of good people whose names will never be mentioned or remembered on this side of the world Yeah, um, who heroically truly obeyed God yeah and for all of us who are trying and have not done something so hideous and hopefully we never do that <laughs> yeah. would that would totally shame the entire face of Christianity those people who are out there I would like to think you and I are part of that we all strongly affirm that with those hum- humiliating things people have done and shameful and bad things they've done, they they were not the way. No. And that was not what Christianity ever advocated. No. Ever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, if I could think of like a terrible illustration off the top of my head that <laughs> I probably regret and it doesn't sure. really work out. Well, it's you like, know, I quoted a movie I knew nothing about <laughs> earlier, so we're on a roll. Well, it's like, <laughs> I mean... If I, could, if I could think up something real quick, it's like, I don't know. There's a group of people to your right, like across from a fence, and uh, there's a gate to get into that side, and it's full of dirty, smelly, uh, I don't know, criminals, or they all have the word loser tattooed on their forehead. Just think of something that really is like repugnant to you. Mm-hmm. And there's this really awesome guy that says, like, I'll give you a billion dollars and your life is about to be incredible the rest of your life. And you're going to feel like so alive and free and you've got all this money, do whatever the heck you want. I don't know. But you have to identify with that group over there and get the word loser tattooed on your forehead oh. and be among them. I think that like a lot of people are just, that's how they view Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I hear what you're saying about God and Jesus. And, um, I totally affirm that they were awesome, that they were full of love and care for me. But man, the people that have become the followers of that, I want nothing to do with that. Sure. And so I just can't, can't do that. 
Uh, so that's well, my terrible illustration. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, um, we do the opposite of what screw tapes keeps trying to, to, to have happen for, for, um, Wormwood's patient, which is a, to not ever be self-aware or self-reflecting of what really matters. Yep. Yeah. Only, only things that don't really matter that are also a distraction from, from the truth or a distraction from God or distraction from God being able to speak to the individual and, and show us how to, how to grow. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we are able to do the opposite of that and grow in self-awareness and reflection so that we don't do the horrible, shameful things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is why I always, I love the book of Ecclesiastes because it's a slap in the face. Like He's like, I'm not, <clears throat> the writer saying, I'm not going to let you off easy mm. until you can tell me why you're here. Like, what the heck is the meaning of life? Hmm. And nobody wants to have that conversation. Yeah. I, I don't even want to have that conversation. <laughs> and I, I, have the, I think I have some answers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not a com comfortable conversation to have. And you have to come to terms with a lot of things that you know deep down that maybe you just, you don't mm. want to deal with those things. And Ecclesiastes won't have it. You know, we're going to talk about this. You got to figure out. You need to stop and take a breath and say, "Why? Mm. Why am I here? What am I doing?" And I just have to believe that that has to force you into um, a much broader understanding that's going to incorporate some things that doesn't fit um, the science as we have it today. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to get spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it just. I think. I would just, I would like to think that the natural conclusion you would draw is that you didn't get here by yourself, mm. and so your parents didn't get here by themselves. To yeah. just, I don't, I don't mean like you just got here by birth. I mean the whole human race. How are, how did people get here in the first place? You yeah, know? and that's just like one apologetic argument among thousands upon thousands. But you've got to ask why. And not only how you got here, what are you doing? And what's the point? You know what I mean? And, yeah. And why are you obedient uh, to communal standards? And why is it wrong to you to feel wronged and things like that? You know, <laughs> like. Um, anyways, that's my spiel. <laughs> Another tactic. Thank you, thank you. Another tactic from Screwtape is that if people do begin thinking about spiritual entities, Wormwood should make it to where they think about them incorrectly. Kind of like what we've been talking about. Yeah. For example, if they're going to think about demons, they should conjure up the image of something in red tights. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Uh, since that is something not worth believing in. Almost like dumb it down, make it seem real childish. Or get a cartoon. Them. Which is exactly, which is... Um, I go back to the Spanish version, uh -huh. which in the um, prologue, he spends a couple pages dealing with art history. Mm. And he was disappointed on both fronts, the demonic realm and the angelic realm of art. He's critiquing, like, what are we doing with chubby babies floating right. around? Yeah. Like, there's that does not 
that is not faithful in any way to a scriptural no. narrative. No. You're talking like flaming swords, eyes yeah. all over your body. Riding They're around on a he- wheel. Yeah. And the other thing, like, this might sound common common sense to others. It's kind of mind-blowing to me. Angels are not human. No. Like, they're like these animal, alien mixtures yeah, yeah. with all kinds of things that would Eagle just blow faces your mind. and, yeah. yeah. Six wings. Yeah. Like, where's the art on that? Yeah. Or not just, like, where's the art on it? I know there is, but, like, why didn't it catch on? Yeah. It's like, was that not cool enough? It wasn't soft I mean, it seems way cooler to me, but... Yeah, and then it's like <laughs> everything that the demons became an art history should have been attributed to the angels, I felt like. Like ripped, like eight pack abs. <laughs> they were always Massive. huge and intimidating. It's yeah. like no, but every time in the scriptures people encountered angels, they fell fell down on their faces as yeah. if dead. Yeah. I mean And they you, wanted to worship it. Right. You read about Jesus encountering of course it's Jesus, but you read about how people when they encounter a demon, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get goosebumps, your hair stands up, and you feel a little bit nervous, mm-hmm. right? And and you get the sense that there was some, some anxiety in the group yeah. facing a demon. But you don't see anybody fall down like they're dead in the presence of that yeah. demon-possessed man. You, like, but you yeah. do over and over when angels reveal themselves. That one scene is always so peculiar to me where it's like, well, my boy is like just always kind of like rolling around, yeah, and uh, throws himself into the fire or the water and um, or fire mm-hmm. and um, like he's hurting himself. But and Jesus kind of like, let me let me see this kid, and I just the my movie in my head is that they're all just kind of standing in a circle around this boy and he's just kind of flopping around. <laughs> yeah, but people aren't like terrified of the situation you know what no. I mean? they're watching it and they're kind of like this is unfortunate it's it may be disturbing a little bit yeah. like it's unfortunate and they want the but, boy yeah. to be better yeah but they're not going oh my gosh this thing is so intimidating and right. huge and it's gonna dominate me right no. i mean that even, was always to the angels yeah even even the the guy that they meet who's been living in the tombs mm-hmm. or guys depending on which gospel you read mm-hmm. one or two uh, that have the legion you don't see that like I, I bet they were scared, but you don't see this cowering, like melted on the ground, effect that mm-hmm. that you see with an angel. Which pretty much every time an angel appears, that's what happens. Oh yeah, yeah. Someone had to chain that guy up. Yeah, we got him chained up over in the tombs. Yeah, he, he didn't broke just go. The chains. I'm, I'm assuming he didn't just go and chain himself up. I guess it's possible, but he could have had a lucid moment. And... But they said he had broken chains before. Yeah, so. He didn't chain himself up, break him, and chain him again. I don't know. That would uh, yeah. be. That doesn't seem right. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just think about them incorrectly then, and make it uh, something worth not believing in. Mm-hmm. And this tactic is joined with the idea of factions and outliers. So, for example, if a person is going to think about a congregation, think of them as a clique and as self-righteous. Yeah. And depending on the cultural tide, if people are into extremes and black and white mm-hmm. thinking, expand on that and encourage people to really lean into one extreme or the other. Yeah. And if the cultural tide is the opposite, if it's really complacent and lulled, then encourage that into falling asleep even more. Yeah. And this reminds me of, you know, one of my classes where our professor was telling us that in the majority of cases 
in therapy, you'll find yourself encouraging your clients to find balance mm-hmm. because you get um, you get trapped, you get stuck in one way of thinking or into all or nothing, all or nothing, extreme thinking on one yeah. side or the other. And the answer is almost always balance. Just bring them back to the middle. Yeah. And, but screw tape reminds Wormwood that this has been a tactic since the beginning of time. Mm. And he's like, remember the church in Corinth fighting over which party they followed? Paul, Apollos, or I like to call them the one-uppers who said, yeah, well, we follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus juking people. <laughs> but So, I mean, uh, the tactic is there. And... Um, once again, we're still within the bounds of all of the tactics that have already been revealed to us. We just keep getting different yeah. angles and nuances of it all. I think... I don't know. Where, where do you think... So Lewis kind of says that through screw tape. <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Screw us. <laughs> but... Um, I mean, where do we think we're at? Like, he talks about that, wanting to push, like you were pointing out, wanting mm-hmm. to push the patient into an extreme. It's kind of isolating him from others that, um, in a broader group, keeping him in a smaller group, mm-hmm. um, all those things. Um, and it seems to like extre- like extremes or, or small groups that are also vocal, loud, I would think, it seems to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, where... And then he also talks about how at different times in history, the demons are either encouraging humanity into a more passive and slumbering type state, or we're going to encourage them into more division, more Mm -hmm. sex, break them up further and further, and create more and more infighting through that Mm -hmm. in the human race. Where do you think that we're at? If if, if this is a, a accurate or realistic picture like a sketch yeah. sketch where do you think we are at right now i want to say isn't it obvious but <laughs> I mean, um no um extremes yeah and uh in one way i feel like we're in a lull uh-huh. in the midst of that the broader picture i think i mean man when like when trump came on the scene mm. and even before trump um let me back up. <laughs> okay. I just mean, uh, Trump was like, that's like a huge thing now, right? Yes. Like just the name, it means Carries something. Carries so much with it. Yeah, it's yeah. got a lot of power and uh, it brings up feelings of division and mm-hmm. chaos and fighting. Right. Like the name is power packed. But way before that, I can remember even in my lifetime, I'm 34, uh-huh. and I can remember like when Bill Clinton was president <laughs> and politics at that time a democrat and republican was not entirely clear-cut yet and i remember i think it was noam chomsky who's like a political anarchist some but i think he's brilliant at the same time he's like you go back even before that um republican and conservative were basically synonymous you picked your side, you voted for what you felt like was best for the country and for yeah. the sake of others, but, and everyone still got along. Yeah. And then somewhere along the lines, I can at least remember from like Bill Clinton onward, it just got darker and darker and right. people got more polarized. And um, I mean, people just started attributing more value, I think, to the things 
that they wanted to stand up for. And I think what happened overall, you're getting like a guy who knows nothing about politics, hardly anything about theology and the scriptures or culture. And like, I'm just ranting here. Sure. So here's my random guy in Wichita speculation. (laughs) Our cultural tide was we're going to start thinking about our ethics more. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's great. I think we're one of the most ethically conscientious uh, people on the block right now more than we have been in in a long time. Like that's part of our historical tide right now. And I think it's going to have a lot of good as a result. The painful part I think that has driven all the chaos that we've been living through is um, when we started asking ourselves the really tough ethical questions and finding our boundaries, we didn't know what to do after that. We didn't know how to respond to it when we found answers. Mm. It's like when we start realizing this about um, COVID or vaccinations or abortions or political power and what it meant to be Republican or conservative or um, yeah or conservative like or Democrat I'm sorry um, we started finding answers to our questions but we didn't we didn't know how to handle it mm. it's like we dove into the tough questions without having any kind of like ethical training <laughs> you know like what I mean is that gosh this is hard to <laughs> let me give you an example and I hope this just I'll be done <laughs> In my my uh, therapy classes, okay, they're so great at the beginning of all of them. All of my syllabi say, um, "You just by being in this class, you are affirming confidentiality for the sake of your classmates and mm. things like that." So, like, we're not going to share what other classmates have shared or right. um, sad moments they've had in class or breakthroughs because you practice techniques, you share your heart, and you share deep dark things. Because sure. um, you've got to go through it as a classmate, just as your clients have to go through it with you when you oh, provide okay. the therapy. Practicing, yeah. Yeah, so it's like um, at at the start of all of our classes and um, in our syllabi, they say um, it's quite possible that you um, some things in this class are going to conjure up some traumatic events, mm. or you're going to have to share some things that um, will make you uncomfortable. Or it's going to make others uncomfortable. And we all have to be patient and understanding with each other. And it's I, I remember one of my classes, they're like, okay, today we're going to talk about um, like parental sexual abuse. And our professor said, I want you to know, uh, this is a tough topic. And if at any point it's a lot for you or um, it's, it's bringing up some traumatic memories, um, please step out of class, take a walk go to the restroom, drink some water, okay. and cool down. Come back when you're ready. And the professor said, I'll try to be attentive to how I think the class is responding. And, you know, at one point the professor's like, all right, that's enough. You know, we'll, yeah. let's move on. So um, if you don't have that kind of boundaries and training beforehand, and you just showed up to the class and the teacher's just talking about sexual abuse, you're like, you weren't prepared for that, but you, you dove right in. Yeah. And so I think like our cultural tide is to be really into ethics and finding out what what we're about, but not having any kind of 
boundaries of like why we're doing that um, how am I gonna emotionally and physically respond to this when I encounter it I think that's where all the backlash came in hmm. people looting killing each other um, it's just all the terrible repercussions that have come as a result hmm. it's like and it comes back to basic questions of like um, if I want to get vaccinated and you don't want to um, how are we gonna live together hmm. and uh, which I mean when just to pause for a minute but when you say it that simply it sounds so silly right? yeah like why can't we get along it's just a vaccine right but we couldn't but we couldn't we and couldn't. a lot of times we still can't yeah it was uh no i mean that itself was difficult yeah but there are tons of things like that um can i eat meat and you eat vegetables and can we get along yeah um can we vote for two different leaders and still somehow find a way together yeah and all of those cliche phrases about unity and togetherness are gone you know, like they hold so little power. Yeah, it's only it's only there if you agree with me. Yeah. Otherwise, to hell with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Only an Inkling. If you like this podcast, you already know what to do. 